0: field, and it's to the right, Hunter on the move, racing back, it's over his hat, it's gone, it's in the bullpen, this game is tied, this game is tied, David Ortiz, David Ortiz, David Ortiz!
1: This is Red Sox beat on CLNS. I think
0: it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day and I'd be totally cool with it, because I think it would, it, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to... To play better defense and play better. Period. Nothing will.
2: I think they're gonna make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame.
1: Achievement or a new milestone. They don't just be like, hey, we signed this player." So we're gonna have a ceremony. Like, no, no, like
2: now to your hosts. All right, Red Sox fans. Red Sox beat CLS Media another week another week on video another week on audio we're, we're big and better than ever of course don't forget to follow at clns media on twitter your leading online provider of audio and video coverage of all new england professional sports facebook same thing don't forget the uh podcasting app as well on ios and android uh for all your network needs all the podcasts are on the network including ours so you can listen on there as well on the go in the traffic commute to work i know that's how i listen to us when i listen to it the next day it's always in traffic on the way to work um of course, us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore beat, Facebook Red Sox beat podcast as always. um Big week for the Red Sox. It's a trade line, trade deadline edition of Red Sox beat, recording at 11 o'clock at night on the trade deadline 7 31. A lot happened around baseball today, guys, and I'm glad for it. Yeah, the Yankees might have got better. The Dodgers might have become hands down favorites, but at least it was exciting for us to follow.
1: Yeah, it was definitely exciting. I mean, I love trade deadline day. It's. The one day where I feel like my anxiety is just through the roof twenty four seven until four o'clock hits. But it wasn't wasn't so bad today. The Red Sox did what they had to do and there was a lot of fun moves that we could talk about later.
0: Yeah, it's always nice when your team actually makes a move too, in addition to other teams making moves. So at least we got one 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 move here in addition to all the other craziness around the league. So fun day though. Lots of stuff.
2: Yeah, Red Sox of course brought in Nunez earlier in the week. Uh, bring in Addison Reed today from the Mets for some prospects. Uh we'll talk about we'll talk about it all afterwards cuz you know Yankees got better Yu Darvish going to the Dodgers makes them if they weren't already World Series favorites, makes them even more of World Series favorites at least at this point and and Red Sox obviously fill the need there and you know tonight's game we'll talk about as well evident of that some good hitting from places that have been productive at last couple games and so on and so forth. But um, despite the trades and the excitement for this team, it wasn't a great week overall. Uh, Rick Porcello not getting run support, shocker. Uh, but let's uh, let's recap the week. Let's get that uh, going here, Jess, Let's let's take people around th- this week because again, despite the fireworks for the team, th- the play wasn't that great.
0: No, not a good week. And falling out of first place is no no uh, no thing to do here at the end of July. Um, started the week started with the second bit of the west coast trip uh first against the mariners and on monday um just the offense was just not happening really for either team there was only 10 hits total in the game but the mariners got a big second inning where they got three runs off eduardo rodriguez kyle seager hit a home run and then a couple batters later gene segura hit an rbi double that made it three to nothing they got another run in the fourth danny valencia rbi double and that made it four to nothing and that was it those only runs in the game um, James Paxton just totally shut down the Sox, he got 10 strikeouts 4 hits, no runs, no walks in 7 innings, he was dominant he has been all year, he's 10-3 with a two eighty four ERA, so he's just done what he's done and Erod just, you know, too many pitches made it through 5 and 3rd innings didn't pitch that bad besides that 3-run inning, but it was obviously way too many runs to give up against Paxton, because the Sox only got 4 hits 2 for Jackie Bradley Jr., one for Betts, one for Ramirez, none for anybody else. So really, I mean, it's not much to say about this game besides no offense. James Paxton was dominant.
2: Yeah, and look, it's tough because, you know, Erod pitched well, and you want to say, oh, another game for the Red Sox offense, not doing well. But at the same time, Paxton's good for a reason. So, yeah, it's it's it sucks because, you know, they're this is what we've been dealing with. The offense has been struggling. But then again, it's one of those games where I look at it and just, Hit my hat to Paxton. Great start from a great pitcher, and you move on.
1: Yeah, it's definitely frustrating that we can't seem to put together runs. We see it with Eric Porcello all the time and now with Rodriguez. But like I said, Paxton was just on his game, and we just couldn't figure it out. Like I said, we had four hits, and half those hits came from JBJ. So definitely frustrating, but it's one of those games, Just kind of got to take it.
0: Yeah, and that brought us into uh, Tuesday's game which was uh, quite the opposite of, of Monday's game. Uh, a lot of, a lot more runs in this game and a lot more innings, and that's certainly been a trend in the last couple weeks for this team. It's been a lot of innings played, a lot of games played, a lot of extra games played because of all those extra innings that have happened between 15 innings, 16 innings, 13 innings. Ridiculous. This one this one Why happened to be different? a 13-inning one. I love one. that. I yeah, right? love that. Do you love it when it's 10 p.m. and the game goes till 3:15? I bet you weren't up for that. And do you
2: love it when our bullpen Do you love when our bullpen is taxed and the team can't play well because no one can pitch?
1: I love it for selfish reasons because I'm watching more baseball. Even though I tapped out, I think it was like 2:15, 2:30. By the time I fell asleep, or 1.30. Yes. I forget.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was I was about 2 a.m. and I was like, all right. So either way, I it was a tough game and anybody who fell asleep during it is probably glad because to not end how you wanted it to, uh, we'll go back to the beginning before we get to that hideous end. Uh, The starting matchup was a good matchup, actually. It was Drew Pomeranz against Felix Hernandez, and with the way Pomeranz is pitching this year, and obviously Felix Hernandez is a household name, not quite as good as he used to be by any means, but still a good pitcher, Uh, but he wasn't good in this game, and Pomeranz was definitely better um, by a little bit. At least in the strikeouts, um, the Mariners got up two to nothing, excuse me, three to nothing in the second inning off Pomeranz. Guillermo Heredia hit a three-run homer off Pomeranz. Fortunately, that was the only runs that Pomeranz gave up in five innings. And fortunately for the Red Sox as well, a uh, comeback was had a little bit later in the game. Hanley Ramirez bopped a home run in the fourth for the first run. Dustin Pedroia tied the game in the sixth with a two RBI double, and Jackie Bradley Jr. gave the lead. To the Sox right afterwards with an RBI single, and it was four to three. And Felix Hernandez got knocked out. He only went five and two thirds, four hits, four runs, two walks, and four strikeouts. Pomeranz was five innings, four hits, three walks, sorry, three runs, four walks, seven strikeouts. So Pomeranz had more strikeouts, and all his runs were on one hit. So I give the edge to Pomeranz. But in this one, it turned in the bullpens because Mike Zanino tied the game with a solo home run in the seventh to tie it at four. And then nobody scored between the 7th and the 13th inning. Sandy Leone hit an RBI single in the 13th to make it 5-4. And you think that'd be enough? You score in the 13th inning. And then Doug Fister gave up two runs in the bottom of the 13th inning. On a wild pitch was the first Italian run. And then Gene Segura won it on an infield single to end the game 6-5. So the Mariners were down to their final strike a couple times. They managed to get the two runs at the end. For a 6-5 to five win at a game that ended four hours and 59 minutes later at 310 in the morning. Mm. And, awesome. I mean, you feel bad for Fisher, right? Because he's the starter and he's got put into two really long games as a reliever and lost both those games. I mean that's no that's no situation to be put
2: into, right? No, I hundred percent really don't even blame Fister for especially for this loss because one, I don't the Red Sox shouldn't have blown that game in the regular innings. Like they had they had the game. They they were winning. And then, you know, to get put in that situation as a starter it's tough because, you know, he was making starters starts and to go into that type of situation where you have to get up quickly, you have to do that, he's not you know he's used to being a starter, so it's tough to do that. And on top of the fact that the Red Sox should have won this game in the eighth inning, I know the bullpen ZRA looks good. Everyone can say it looks good, but um, you know there there were holes. It's something that I didn't trust. I've I've been on the record saying this. You know the bullpen had its holes, still has its holes, but obviously the trade they made will help that. Um, but this is another game evident of you can't always trust this bullpen. And now they it up a little bit, but um, the bullpen is the reason why he lost this game. I I don't blame Fister for this game at all. I, I blame. The, the loss in the eighth inning than anything else.
1: No, I'm right there with you. I don't think it's Fister's fault at all. Like you said, he's used to being a starter, and I know sometimes when long games happen like this, you have to go to your starters because there's no one else in your bullpen. So I totally get him being in there or whatever. But it's instead lose the game in the eighth. That this bullpen, even though it looks good on paper, we've obviously started to see, especially this past week, just how many holes there are and how bad that they can be the point where we're going to our starters and that they just end up blowing the game and that's going to be a confidence blow to Fister too. I mean obviously he pitched very well tonight but just think like he goes in there and just he gets the loss and it's just like duh, it's not even his fault.
0: And at that point he's 0-5 with the 7-46 ERA <laughs> which
2: is really <laughs> ugly. Not good.
0: Now now we brought him here to, to do and obviously two of those losses are extra innings losses which is brutal and he's had a couple bad starts so yeah, I mean really it's just Heath Embry he gave up the home run uh, in the in the 7th inning to Zanino, and then Barnes, Workman, and Kimbrell came in. Not only give up runs, but unfortunately Seattle's bullpen also didn't give up any runs until the 13th inning. So, you know, it's unfortunate, especially with the 4 nothing loss on Monday to go down two straight games uh, in the series, and four straight games overall because they lost the last two games against the Angels, so it was four straight losses at this point. For the first time this season, uh, so that just kind of was, you know, a kick to the groin. It's like, you've already lost three in a row, and now you're going to lose in 13 innings when you take the lead in the 13th inning. That's brutal. So that was unfortunate, tough loss. Fortunately, he had uh, some guy named Chris Sale on the mound the next <laughs> day uh, to make everything better for you, and uh, he did. He absolutely did, as he always does. Uh, the Red Sox won this game on Wednesday 4 to nothing. It was a matinee 340 Eastern start, 1240 Pacific start. And uh, Chris Sale woke up for this one. He pitched seven innings, three hits, no runs, one walk, 11 strikeouts one more time, lowering his area to two thirty-seven, and bettering his record to 13-4. and four. And uh, on offense, the Sox got the four runs all in the first four innings, actually. Mitch Moreland made one nothing with a sack fly in the second. Rafael Devers hit his first career homer on his first career hit. A solo home run in the third inning. And then Sandy Leone padded the lead with a two-run homer in the fourth. All those were off Andrew Moore, Seattle starter. And Sale did what he did. Blaine Boyer pitched an inning in a third a scoreless ball. ball. Craig Kimbrell shut it down with two-thirds of an inning in the ninth. And really, I mean, this was the Chris Sale-Raphael Devers day because first hit being a home run is awesome, and Chris Sale just does what he does.
2: I mean, we'll get yeah. to Devers, obviously. Um, but the thing with Chris Sale is crazy is the only games you won on this road trip were the Chris Sale starts. And right, Friday, Friday, that, Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. that kind of reflects how bad they were playing. Um, and the run support, they just didn't give their pitchers. But at the same time, you know, reflects how dominant Sale's been. You can basically chalk up a W whenever he steps on the mound, and he's pitching again tomorrow night against Cleveland. And, you know, I'm already chalking that as a W, in my eyes, unless he, you know, screws the pooch. Because at this point... It's almost a win, and every time I'm on the edge of my seat hoping he throws a no-hitter at this point. Uh, And then, like you said, Devers, you know, you can't get much better than that. First career hit, first career ding-dong, and you move on, and and his kid's been steady the whole way through. He's been composed. He's been great. And um, I'm excited that they're keeping him in the lineup.
1: Yeah, he's definitely pleasantly surprised me because I definitely had my doubts about him. But going back to Sale, just, like, showing how dominant he is, I read the stat somewhere that said, like, when he doesn't pitch... So the team is a perfect 500, or like even 500. And I think that just goes to show just what kind of pitcher he is. And obviously we know he gets double-digit strikeouts every five days. He's right there. He's Every game we have something positive to say about him. Even if he doesn't win, it's still a it's still a wiki good start for him, regardless of how the team does by themselves. So just, I mean, I could sit here and talk about Chris Dale all day. He's like, tomorrow, will probably be, Nice two-and-a-half-hour game. He'll have 12, 13 strikeouts again. And just to see what he's brought to this team, especially the, the past few weeks with all this craziness going on, just such like a positive light and such like a dark spot for this team right now.
2: Imagine if he, um, if the team was like at all over five hundred when he wasn't pitching, where they would be. Like, if they had any run support for their starting rotation, if they had any run support for anyone but Chris Sale, I mean, the starters haven't been terrible. I'm not, like, blaming on this, the rotation either. Um, but imagine if this team was even, like, five games over 500 outside of Chris Hell starts where they would be. It's ridiculous how much he is actually, when you put it like that, Lauren is saving this team from falling too far out of it.
0: Oh, yeah. He's been a godsend. I mean, he's been incredible. What, is that four, 14 games now with 10-plus strikeouts? It's, it's, it's insane.
1: 14 stars that Rick Porcello doesn't get any run support.
0: Right. <laughs> Some things don't change, right? <laughs> Those uh, two things definitely don't change. But the crazy thing about Sale is, like, think about how good he was before the All-Star break. The guy hasn't given up a run since the All-Star break. So good. Let that soak in.
1: Music to my ears. I love it.
0: He's pitched seven and two-thirds, six and seven innings, three hits, four hits, three hits, no runs in any of them five walks and thirty three strikeouts in those three games. That's insane.
2: Stupid. Stupidly he's good. Not...
0: <laughs> like we thought he was good before the All Star break. Like Seriously. now he doesn't go up now he doesn't give up runs ever. So
2: he's like,
1: he's like watch this. I, I got this guys, don't
2: worry. Cole my beer, guys. I'm gonna go through it. I'm gonna go pitch better.
0: <laughs> I hope fans don't take this for granted though. Like what this guy's is doing is absolutely amazing. Like mm-hmm. we expect him to be good and he's been like that much better than good. Like he's been Way more than you could ever ask.
2: No, I he think they praying finished. fans are praying for it. You kidding me? They're like, Can I please get the Crusel day so I can watch a win? Like <laughs>
0: yeah. But it's like not even just like to get a win, it's like what he's doing is historic. Like the amount of strikeouts he's getting and his ERA and everything and just how dependable he's been. It's I mean, it's you don't see this every day. That's and if you wa- from, and if you from anybody. No, and, you and if you
2: watch him pitch too, like, you know, they kinda of talked about it a little bit. Um, with Johnny Gomes in the booth tonight, even in the show highlights. And it's like, people, hitters are confused. They don't know what's coming out of Chris Sale's hands. And every, and no, every yeah. time you watch him, it's confused. I, mean, I think he has a backdoor slider coming. He throws a heater right up and, up and in. They swing and miss or sort of look. And, you know, it's confusing. And his slider so dominant this year like it usually is. So it, it's just he buckles everyone's knees. He gets the weird looks from people. And, and hitters shake their heads and go, all right, you go get him. See if you can hit it, because I can't.
1: I love it. I just love it. I love watching him pitch. I love his delivery. And now that we know he doesn't ever shake off his catcher, it just makes it so much more fun to watch just because, you know, like I said, they never know what's coming. I don't even know what's coming. You know, it's just it's unbelievable the, the command and the control this guy has, and the poise and just everything. It's you, everything you want in a pitcher. And like you said, Jeff, I, I hope that the fans don't take this for granted because, I mean, there's probably going to come a time we don't have him. And it's, they're going to be like, what happened? Like, Probably what happened in, in our, three years. But then people are going to be like, what happened to our pitching? And it's like, oh, we only really had Chris Sale to hold it together. And then it just falls <laughs> apart and he goes away.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's amazing what happens when you have an ace who's actually an ace and actually is that pitcher. And he got he's ease that pitcher and, and more. Yeah, I mean, this, this stuff doesn't come around every year. So pretty wild. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing about <laughs> he goes out here, you have no idea what he's pitching, and he never, never shakes off the catcher. It's incredible. I love it. All right, let's move on to the Royal Series. They had a Thursday off day before uh, before Fridays first game against the Royals, three game series back at Fenway, first time in a long time and which was obviously nice after the after the West Coast trip. It's always nice. Unfortunately, the offense still wasn't nice and this game was a 4-2 loss to the Royals. Rick Porcello against Jason Vargas. He came in in the matchup obviously. Record-wise doesn't favor the Sox. Vargas was 12 and 4. Porcello was 4-13. and 13. We know the deal on Porcello. And same thing again. I mean, the, the Royals got to him a couple times early. They hit a solo home run, Salvador Perez. In the second, Mike Moustakis hit his 30th home run, a three-run job. In the fourth, to make it 4-0. And then Porcello was dominant after that. Once again, just like always, went seven more innings, despite giving a couple runs earlier, which was a staple of last year and has been a staple of this year as well. Uh, six hits, four runs, One walk, five strikeouts, just the two home runs. Those were the only runs he gave up. And, unfortunately, Vargas gave up one less hit, five, but three less runs. He gave up one run in those six innings to get the win. Uh, Mookie Betts got an RBI single in the fifth to make it 4-1. Sandy Leone got an RBI ground out in the seventh to make it 4-2. That was the only runs the Sox would get. Brandon Workman, an inning and two-thirds of scoreless relief. He's been very good again. But, you know, seven hits, two runs. Uh, they score the runs in the fifth and the seventh. You know, it's just like, I mean, yeah, you put them in a hole early. But just another game of, you know, two runs or less for Porcello, which has pretty much been every start he's had this season. Almost almost every single one of them. It's been, like, 80% of them. And it's just like, I, I don't know how you're supposed to get wins when the team doesn't score.
2: And, like, this is the kind of game where last year, you know, you might have won 6-4 for Porcello. You know, you're facing a good team. Obviously, the Royals have been... as of late so it's one of those things where you have to hope the offense scores at least a little bit and you know it's a tough situation he didn't pitch that bad like it wasn't like a terrible outing and it's been the theme we've talked about it it's just he pitches okay or he pitches good and it's just he can't get the run support now there aren't there are starts out there that he hasn't pitched well and deserves to lose but this one easily could have deserved a win or at least a no decision if the red sox could just score some runs obviously the pitching matchup didn't help but at the same time, like the Red Sox need to figure out how to score runs in this situation when you're facing a good pitcher. Because you know, if you want to win the division, if you want to get back on top of the division or do anything in the playoffs, you have to face good pitching to do that and be successful, and right now they can't figure it out.
1: I'm surprised Rick Porcello has not lost his mind on this team yet. Like, we know he's a ball of fire and he's got an attitude and he's got that spunk. Like, I'm waiting for like, the report to come out that he just barred through that locker room that there was verbal altercations between him and players, him and whoever, just because he, he's got to be frustrated. He has to be. There's no doubt about it that you're losing games you know, 4-2, 2-1, one and the team can't score. And like you said, he pitched well this season. He's getting deep into games. His pitch count isn't all that high. He has plenty of strikeouts. He's, he's doing everything that he should be doing as a pitcher, but the offense isn't doing anything for him and what they should be doing to help their pitcher and it's so frustrating because I feel like I know his ERA is a little high but you look at his record and his record just does not reflect how he's pitched this season I just feel every week we just same old song and dance we go back to Rick Porcello's start on how there was no run support Pitch well but no run support and it's it's the most frustrating thing it's so frustrating watching him this season because it's like how can someone be so good but have the record that he does and how can the offense just like crap to bed every week when he pitches.
0: It doesn't make you respect him more that he hasn't absolutely gone nuts and just (laughs) lost it on everybody. Oh, definitely.
2: Yeah, Yeah, for sure.
1: Like the self-control that he has, but you know, at at the end of the day, he's gotta be like cursing them going to bed. He has to be.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's It's an annoying thing, and when you go 22-4 and and the next season you're 4-14, and you're probably going to bed like, what am I doing? How do I have four wins in August? Well, almost August, about to be August. And, you know, it's just like, someday he'll get a win. But it hasn't happened yet. He hasn't gotten a win in quite a while, and he's been stuck at four. Someday, man, someday. But, you know, this was a tough game because Kansas City, at this point, this is their ninth straight win, like Jared said. They're on quite a hot streak. At this point. Um, so the Sox ran into a hot team. And they were certainly not a hot team. After losing for the last five coming into this. So that was annoying. Uh, fortunately Saturday came along. And uh, finally win on the port. But boy it was not an easy win. My god. No, no easy wins here. Except except for the Chris Sale game. Um, this one went 10 innings. And there was a lot of runs. And it was very back and forth. This game was wild. It was 9-8 to eight and 10 innings the Red Sox won. I'll uh, take you through some of the scoring here. Uh, it was Eduardo Rodriguez against Trevor Cahill. It was Cahill's first start in a Kansas City uniform after getting traded to them. And both pitchers were god-awful. My God. Mm-hmm. Tons of pitches. Slow pace. Nothing going on. Erod went four innings throwing 107 pitches. Cahill went four innings throwing 90 pitches. Cahill gave up eight hits in five runs. Erod gave up seven hits and four runs. It was ugly. And the bullpens weren't much better. You know, Abad gave up two runs, one earned. Boyer gave up two runs. Uh, Scott Alexander gave up a run for them. A couple other guys gave up runs also. It was just ugly. Uh, the scoring early, Christian Vasquez had an RBI triple in the second to make it 1-0. Eduardo Nunez hit a solo home run to make it 2-0 in the third. This was his night. Uh, unfortunately, at this point, after it was 2-0, the Royals got the lead off the of Erod after pitching horribly for four innings. He finally gave up runs. Wit Merrifield hit a RBI single, and then Lorenzo Kane hit a three-run homer around Pesky's pole. And mind you, Mike Mustakis was also around Pesky's pole. So two pretty weak home runs uh, that were really, really, really hurt a lot in this series, including that one. So that was four-two Royals, but the Sox came right back in the same fourth inning off Cahill and uh, tied the game. Vasquez RBI double, great A for him. Rafael Devers RBI single, four to four and then Eduardo Nunez hit a second home run of the game in the 5th to make it 5 to 4 and then it was 6 to 4 at the end of the inning but then the bullpen struck and the Royals got four runs in the 6th inning uh, and with the big the bigger one um, being A Jorge Bonifacio RBI single that tied the game they got two more after that to make it 8 to 6 but the Sox weren't done Jackie Bradley Jr got it to 8 7 with the sack flying in the 7th Mookie Betts had a sack flying in the 8th to make it 8 to 8 and then in the tenth inning, Nunez grounded out. Sandy Leon scored in a great slide to home after leading the inning off with a double. So Sandy won the game. Boy, I don't know. Talk what you will here. Uh, Eduardo Nunez was three for six with two home runs and three RBI. Vasquez was three for four with a triple, a double, and two RBI. Uh, the pitching was awful. Pretty pretty packed game here. Definitely the most packed game of the week. Yeah, it was a uh, it
1: was a lot of fun, and uh, Sandy. Cindy Leon slide like like tumble whatever you want to call it. It was looks like an
2: athlete for sure. Yeah,
1: and what you know he's a big guy. He's built like a catcher. He's got those big catcher legs. He's just an all around big guy. And he dodged the the slide, and I was like, oh, those hamstrings! Like it just makes me nervous because he was just like so stretched out, and I was like, oh no. But I mean, I was a fun game at the end. Like the pitching was horrendous. There was a lot of scoring, but Nunez, like, I don't know what else we can say about him. He's just I mean, we know why we got him, and he's just been already, he's just been all around the diamond, and it's just been, he's been like a pleasure to watch, and he's been a positive feeling, like, thank God we have a third baseman who can, can hit and wants to play, and just wants to be here, wants to play, and just breath of fresh air kind of guy, and he's obviously performing well, so it's even better.
2: Yeah, your third baseman is Rafael Devers, by the way. Thanks, though. Uh, Um. Nunez has been great, though. (laughs) uh, No, honestly, I love Nunez. I I don't think a lot of people realize how good he is just because he's on the West Coast, and not everyone around here can watch West Coast games because they're way too late for a lot of people, and, you don't have access to all of them all the time. So, you know, you hear the big names out there, and even then, Mike Trout gets lost on the West Coast. Those guys get lost. So, no one knows who Nunez is coming from the West Coast, and what he's been doing, especially in this game, is what they brought him here to do. They brought him here to hit, especially for average. He's good at runners in scoring position. And his defense is better than I thought it was going to be. His defense has been pretty good the times he's been in the field for us so far. And But it's, it's versatility. They brought him here to be a backup for all the positions in the diamond, maybe be a starter at third base if Devers doesn't pan out, but it looks like he's okay. Um, And, you know, Pedroia might go in the DL that, that he's been playing second base the last couple nights. Xander's been terrible. So you can put him at short. It's a situation where he can basically play everywhere, but first base and he can play the outfield. So there he's the ultimate utility guy um, who has been hitting the ball really well. And it's just been continuing what he was doing in San Francisco I-, I thought he was a bat wasting away in San Francisco. I'm glad they got him. It-, it was a pretty good trade, and it's panning out so far, and we'll talk about it more. But as the week went on, especially tonight's game, he was just as big for the team, and he's been hot.
0: I mean, he's hitting 308 coming in this season, so he was he was hot coming into this team, and he continued yep. that hot streak. The home runs to the bonus. I mean, he only has 40 career homers, and he only had four homers coming into the, his Red Sox career here and he hit two in one game after having four all season, so pretty cool uh, to get the power jolt, but his average has been there, and his average is continuing to be there. I mean, the guy started his red Sox career five for six. That's, that's pretty darn good. So so that was great. Uh, 27 hits in that game, 17 runs in total. Thank God it was a win, because brutal week, and if, if they lost that game, too, after the other ones, boy, would have been ugly. And good thing, too, because Sunday's game was ugly, and should have been a win, but the Royals scored four runs in the eighth inning to win 5-3. It was 3-1 going into that inning. A well-pitched game up until that point. Drew Pomerantz again, six and two-thirds innings, seven hits, one run, one walk, four strikeouts. Really another solid outing for him. He's really, really pitched well this season. Uh, Jason Hamill's on the other side. He gave up three runs in seven innings, but really good game for him because he gave up two of those three in the second inning. Moreland and Vasquez had RBI hits. Um, and then the Sox got a 3-1 to lead when Devers hit his first Fenway home run in the fifth inning. That made it 3-1, to but it was all overshadowed by uh, a Matt Barnes meltdown in the <sighs> eighth, eighth inning. He gave up three hits and four runs, three earned. Uh, some inherited runners scored for him, but he didn't even get an out. So, really ugly game for him, uh, the blown save. Uh Alcides Escobar had a two RBI hit And Alex Gordon had a two RBI triple To make it five to three So those were the runs for there And then the Sox had the bases loaded In the bottom of the ninth inning And Monkey Betts popped out to end the game So really annoying way to end the trip Because you really thought you were going to win two out of three Good lead for most of the game And then implosion at the end Frustrating week to a really annoying Week where there could have been A lot more wins than there were
2: Twice this week Twice this bullpen hurt you, and look, they're statistically they've been good. Oh yeah, we've talked about it. it's been your guys' talking points to try to prove me wrong. The bullpen needed help; they still needed help. And look, coming into this game, even after this game, there were no serious talks about bullpen help. There were no serious talks about. I mean, yeah, yes Addison Reed came up, but until today, when we found out they got him, I thought they were actually going to move forward with just Nunez and that's it, and not ask for bullpen help. And like, that's ridiculous because these are the games that you've been losing all year with the bullpen inconsistencies that you just don't have anyone to rely on. Yeah, maybe Joe Kelly would have been in the spot if he was healthy. I get that. He's coming back. He's, he's working his way back from that injury. Uh, but that being said, Matt Barnes has been claimed to be the eighth inning guy most of this year, and he crapped himself again. Like, he needs to be earlier in the in the, in the game. All these guys need, are just belong earlier in the game. They can't handle late inning games consistently. Yes, they can sometimes, but you know, you need that guy to shut down. That's what Reed's supposed to be. But this is just another case of why this bullpen needed help. And, you know, Addison Reed might not be the answer, but you know, it's better than what you have in my opinion, because he was closing. He's better for high leverage spots, but this game is just another example of why this bullpen needed help. Despite the stats might show otherwise.
1: Oh, so frustrating. And it's, you know, Matt Barnes has blown games before, and Farrell keeps going to him. And it's so frustrating because I don't want this guy on the mound when the game's back. Well, you know, we should have won this game. There's no doubt about it. We should have We have won it.
2: Well, but, Lord, who but, else are you going to go to, though? That's the thing. Who else are you going to go to? Who else do you trust?
1: You, you could have put Kimbrel in. you you, you got to be able to utilize your closer for more than three outs. You have to. In some situations, you just have to. You just That's just how it is.
0: But he, but he doesn't want to. That's the problem.
1: Okay, he doesn't want to. Get your ass out there and pitch. Yeah. Like it's
2: like But like besides Kimbrell though, but think about this. If you use Kimbrell too much, and obviously it's becoming to the point where the end of the year, and at this point just do it. But like, you know, if you tax him too much, there's no one else there that you trust, right? There's no one there. I don't trust Matt Barnes. Workman's been the most consistent thing since you know what I mean? Like and who knows it when has. he starts to when he starts to flare up because who knows? I mean I love Workman, I'm glad he's doing this because he obviously it sucked when he got hurt. But you know, there's no one there that I can say, here's the ball in the eighth inning, get me to Kimbrell. That, there's no one that's there. Like, that's and, what they
1: give Kimberl Kimberl will get to
2: Yeah, but, like, Kimbrell getting to Kimbrell every time is going to gas him before September even comes. So, yeah, but
1: if he just... This one, this one time, they've barely done that. You do that Sunday, and they probably would have won. And he would have been fine. Like, it didn't... I just... Oh, it's I don't know. I was I mean I recapped this game and I was frustrated just recapping it because I had to talk about Matt, Matt Barnes blowing another
2: one. I mean, it's, don't get me wrong. Like I think, that I, I think that you know that would have been better than whatever other option they had. Like don't get me wrong, Kimberl should have would have been the best option, but it just it was another example of why this Addison Reed trade, which we'll talk about in a minute, is even more important than people think.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, I think Matt so. Barnes only has two blown saves. He's six and three. Oh my God! You mean, I, you I mean can't. too hard
2: on the guy. to blown no. saves. Blown saves is not a number. He's not always in the ninth though. Like it's. Oh, yeah. yeah well, wasn't so you, here either it's yeah, still blown the, save. The blown saves is I can't I, I can't argue that that's you, you've watched him pitch you know what I'm talking about Jess.
0: I know he's shaky. He's definitely shaky. I'm just giving you stats, all right. Yeah, stats don't always <laughs> tell the
2: truth. Watch the <laughs> damn game.
0: No, they don't. No, I know it's true. But yeah, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, they're right though. It's 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 hard to feel comfortable before Kimbrell, and it's worked pretty well this season. But you know, this is the problem with bullpens. You know, they're good and they get credit for that. But when they're bad, they get really hammered because obviously, when you're blowing games late in the game, you're blowing games. You're not doing your it's, job. There's no way around.
2: It's it. just not the way. Right. That, yeah,
0: it's the problem. That's the problem with bullpens. Period. It's just you know, if if you're not good, you're you're really hurting the team. And you're a great example. You're about to win two out of three. Boom, four runs, lose two out of three, just like that. And that made it a, uh, a that made it a two and four week, which obviously is not a good week. And we shouldn't, and didn't get it right. And uh, just ugly. It's not a good week. Um, we'll cover next tonight's game next week, but just briefly, uh, 6-2 win over the Indians in the first game of the series tonight. Doug Fisher pitched brilliantly. The offense was good. Um, so hopefully, hopefully signs for a better week next week. Um, but we'll get to that. For next week's show, we'll leave time for more stuff this week. I'm giving MVPs to co-MVPs to Eduardo Nunez and Rafael Devers. Nunez has only been here for a couple of games, but he made such an impact and basically single-handedly uh, kept the team in Saturday's uh, 10-inning affair. So I'm going to give it to him for that, and Devers for coming up and being really solid, getting a couple home runs, and having really good, nice, beautiful swing. Uh, he had a really nice week, too. So we'll give it to the new guys. Nunez and Devers, co-MVP of the week. God, God
2: they yeah. are carrying this team offensively right now. And, you know, we'll talk about, obviously, tonight, next week, like you said. But just, he went 4 for 4 tonight, people, if you didn't watch the game. And and he just is composed, and he's hitting the ball the other way. But um, definitely, definitely the only ones you can really give it to are the, the two new guys, for sure.
1: You can give it to Chris Sale again, but I mean, he's got that's it, a I default. To Chris that's that's Chris the aspect. Just <laughs> give it to him
2: if no one else applies, like, at this point. Like...
1: Yeah, he gets it, he gets it sometimes, and, you know, every week, you can easily make a case for him, but no, you gotta give it to the new guys, like I said, they're carrying the team right now, and they've just been, they've been really good, and they're scoring runs, they're hitting the ball, they're getting on base, they're doing everything they need to be doing, so I, I won't even argue with that.
0: Yeah, seriously, it is is—it is funny how well they played this week, and then, like you said, Denver's four for four tonight, Nunez three for five, I mean, they're... They're killing it right now. It's great. I mean, who would have predicted that, right? Oh, let's bring this 20-year-old up, and let's trade for this guy, and who knows how it will be. And they've, they've just been hearing it.
2: 20-year-old awesome. is composed like a 40-year-old veteran who just... Commonly gets up there and hits the ball. It's phenomenal. But um, there you go. Crappy week that was recapped so well by Jess. Um, a lot going on this week. Of course, his section um, of the show, the recap and our opening segment brought to you by our good friends at the SeatGeek Ticketing App, the smartest and easiest way to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. I've told you this before. You get a $20 rebate on your first purchase by downloading the free SeatGeek app to your phone. All you got to do is go to the Settings tab at the top, enter the promo code, which is Garden Report. It's all one word. Uh, and you're going to get a $20 rebate. Of course, you'll tell who sent you your friends here at Tillness Media as well. And, of course, us at Red Sox Beat. Um, you know, let's just kind of swing right into it, right? Nunez Devers, only really logical options for MVP this week. They've both been phenomenal. I want to talk about Devers real quick because, you know, we called this kid up in, in, a, in a scene where basically it was kind of rushed. We all thought it was rushed. And, I, and no one's going to say they predicted what he's been doing because you just couldn't have predicted this. But we all kind of thought, you know, called up on a whim kind of needed something. And, and the kid's been kind of progressing all the way through, like almost like Ben and did last year. And he's coming up and, and looks like he's been in the league forever. And this guy's 20 years old. He can't even legally go to a bar and get drunk after a win yet. And this kid is composed hitting like he's like, he's already got a guy who's won a couple rings and, and been in the league forever. He's hitting the ball, the opposite field. Um, tonight he had a double off the wall. That was smooth. He's already has two homers, not to mention his first ever hit was a homer to like dead center field. Um, this kid is composed at the plate. He's a lefty, which is helpful in then summit Fenway, and he's patient and trusting his swing at the plate. His swing's smooth, guys. He's got a pretty swing for a twenty year old.
1: Yeah, he looks great, and I know I had I had a lot of doubts about him just because I was worried, you know, he was rushed. And you know, I said, I said, I think I said the week he was called up, you know, we can't all be Andrew Benintendi. But he's for the first few games uh, I've been happy that I've been proved wrong. I just hope it's. I hope it stays consistent. Obviously, he's not going to do this every single game, but he keeps the consistency and he keeps the, the plate patience. And, you know, he looks really good up there. He looks like a veteran. He looks like he's been playing this game for 20 years. And he's only 20 years old. So I like what I see. I like that, you know, he's hitting home runs and he's hitting the ball. He's getting on base. He's scoring runs, driving in runs. He's doing everything he needs to do. And I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised right now. And I'm I'm not going to get my hopes too high because I, I – I do fear that, you know, it's still a few games in, still early, that anything can happen. But right now, I'm going to enjoy every last minute of this.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, you hope it's not a flash in the pan first week. You know, we were talking on last show about whether whether he'll stick around, whether he'll be good, if he will be up here for a short period of time. And obviously, when you got Nunez, you're like, oh, we're just going to drop him. And then he goes 10 for 24 in his first six games and has three, two, two plus hit games already in the first yep. six games. That's insane. You know, and, yeah, beautiful swing. My God, that thing, that first home run, perfect balance, center field, and he's had a lot of hits where he's where he's really solid and, like, really good form. So, I mean, geez, if he's that good at 20, he's that composed. That's all I'm looking for because, like, if, you know, if a guy's got a couple of good hits and, like, he's all over the place, striking out here and there, then you're like, well, like, how composed is the guy? But, like I said with Ben Tendy, he was composed. Devers looks composed. That's what I look for in a young player. I don't necessarily care about the results, but he has the res- he has the results and he's composed. I think a double whammy. I mean, nothing nothing to complain about here in the first week.
2: I mean, in you know, a in a week he went from hitting eighth, he's hitting six now. He's got moved up in the lineup. Is bringing in quality runs at the bottom of the lineup now with Nunez and everybody involved. You know they're turning the bottom of the lineup order. Mookie had a good game tonight and, and has been hitting a little better. Um, and they're, and these guys are starting to produce and we need guys like this to step up because there hasn't been anyone there. Um, and the offense is starting to pick up led by these two. So, um, I just want to touch on that because, you know, there's a lot more to talk about tonight with price and all that crap that's still going on. So, um, one other thing we have to talk about is the Addison Reed deal before we get to price neck and everything that's going on still. And I can't imagine this is still a topic, but it is. Um, but Addison Reed, obviously the Red Sox traded for him. He is expected to be in Boston tomorrow, August 1st and in a Red Sox uniform, probably available as well, uh, out of the bullpen. Uh, Farrell was interviewed today, saying, hey, he's our eighth inning guy. That's why we brought him here, um, which is right. Good job, John Farrell. Way to say the right thing. Um, he's slotted in for the eighth inning role. He's been closing for the Mets, uh, eighth inning for the Mets. He does everything for the Mets so far because the Mets are terrible. Um, and I think the Red Sox got a good deal. I think it's the best fit for what they needed. Um, I'm glad they actually got him. There wasn't too much linking. There obviously was interest, but Aston Reed was one of the hotter commodities. Come the deadline for a reliever. Red Sox didn't give up too much for him. It was three prospects. Um, I mean you know much left in the farm system to give, but uh thankfully the Mets accepted what you offered. Uh Addison Reed, I think he's 28, if I'm right, but the he's he's a stud and he pitches well, and I think this is the addition you needed. This is a guy that I feel confident handing the ball and going, Here, get me to Kimbrell. Every night if he's available, get me to Kimbrell. And when Kimbrell's gassed, if he pitches the eighth inning, great. let take a night. Addison Reed, go pitch the ninth and get me get me a safe. That's that's the guy you needed, and that's the guy you got with Addison Reed.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I love it. We didn't give three prospects, which said we didn't really have a whole lot in the farm system, but it's somebody who's gonna that you feel confident in that eighth inning. That I'm not gonna feel like how I do when Matt Barnes was out there on Sunday, and he's gonna just bring this bullpen a, a boost because you know we can't keep relying on Barnes and you know Robbie Scott going between. Triple A and the Red Sox every every other day it seems like, and I'm just I'm excited for it. I'm excited for him to be here. I'm excited to see if he can pitch as well in the American League as in the National League. I, I don't really see an issue with that. I think relief pitcher is much different than starting pitching when it comes to interleague. But I'm super excited that he's here. I'm super excited. We have to give up a whole lot for him, and I'm just I, I'm ready to see him. I'm like anxious to see him.
0: Yeah, it was definitely a good deal. didn't have to give up your top prospects. That always always helps. So I like the deal for sure. I mean, obviously you want the guy to prove it to you. You don't want to just say that he's going to be like the best eighth inning guy without even seeing him pitch yet. But his numbers don't lie. I mean, the last three years, his ERA is 117, 197, and 257. That's really good. And, you know, after not closing for a couple of years, even though he did earlier in his career, 19 saves for the Mets this year with a two fifty seven ERA, you know, 48 strikeouts, 6 walks. He appears to be really good. I mean, he's, he's, his numbers are there. I'm not going to go tell you I've seen a pitch or anything, but, you know, he's 28. He's been in the league for 7 years. I, you know, 125 career saves. I'd say he's a pretty good 8th inning guy, and, you know, you might as well give somebody else a chance. So I'm not going to say much until he proves it, but his numbers sure are there, and he's a good age. So I like it a lot.
2: I think the biggest thing for this trade is, you know, on paper, he's a rental, right? And that's why you didn't have to give up much for him. He's, a, he's a unrestricted after this year, so uh, who knows what happens next summer with him. Maybe he pitches well, likes it here, and maybe you re- maybe you can re-sign him. You don't know because, you know, there's not much down there for pitching. You're creating it all, right? You gave up a reliever today uh, to get Addison Reed. and reach. So being 28, it could be a situation where you're bringing him here, he likes it. It's a winning atmosphere most times. If David Price is gone, that'd be nice. Um, and... Maybe you can re-sign Addison Reed. It depends on how he does this year, if he likes it, things like that, if he can handle it. Now, he played in New York, did on good teams in New York. So I can't imagine it's going to be too much of a difference. Obviously, um, we always go back and forth about whose media is more of a pain in the butt uh, to players and, and to deal with. But, um, you know, he's played in a big market. He's played in New York. So I can't imagine why he won't be able to handle that aspect of it. And the numbers are there. So all you stat people, uh, it's not just my eye. It's, it's also stats. Just said it out loud. So it's proof. Um, this guy is a good trade. It's what you needed, it and it's a reliever. And uh, despite it being a rental, I don't think you have to give up too much for it being a rental.
1: Yeah, good deal all around. It's said it's a good rental, and if he does pitch well, maybe we can sign him. But we, I know, we, there's still a lot riding on Carter Smith, Howard Thornburg, and you know, people that could possibly help our bullpen. But for now, I, I really am a fan of the trade.
0: Yeah, and, and fans can't complain about the deal because everyone's been whining and saying, go get a guy for the late innings, and boom, he went out there and did it. So if fans are still complaining after now, then I guess, you know, they just can't be satisfied because this is what you wanted. You got it, and now we'll see what happens.
2: Nope. They, they got everything they needed. Um, I don't think you needed more of I mean, it would have been nice to get, you know, Giancarlo Stanton or whatever, but, like, you don't need, like, the way you need is hitting, that's all you need in the back. You need someone in this lineup right now to come out of it. And my idea, well, be, yeah, you
0: have a good offense. It's, they got to do it, you know. Yeah, it, you
2: can't, you can't fix the like the lineup hasn't changed much from last year. Yeah, Ortiz isn't there protecting some people, but you know they were hitting well going into the break for the most part. And you know you need Mookie Betts to hit better. He's an MVP candidate last year for a reason. He can hit the crap out of the ball. You need uh, these guys to step up. You need Xander to snap out of it or sit down. And Nunes can play for him when Pedroia comes back. You, you need these guys to play better, and you're starting to see it. Um, with you know Vasquez hitting bit better at the bottom of the lineup, and if those guys at the bottom can hit consistently, it gives the, the guys the opportunity a chance to snap out of it and score some runs in the in the meantime. So um, that being said, I have to talk about this, and uh, I'm, I'm kind of over this topic. I'm over this pitcher. Uh, but you, if, missed,
0: you missed last week's talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad I did.
2: Um, it ke- it keeps coming up, and just more news comes upon it. Uh, Price was placed on the 10 day DL. Conveniently uh claims he's hurt uh with the, obviously the injury that's been nagging him all year obviously we know it's been there but yes we can do this now with the video <laughs> yes. um it's kind of nice but look here's the deal there's no coincidence to me it it, he he's got put on the dl when the fact is he just didn't want to pitch in front of the fans the red socks are hiding him the red Sox are definitely hiding him there's no question in my mind um he's conveniently probably not going to make it back until after they leave for, for the next road trip and it's just what's going on with this because look, he said that Eck needs to show his face in the clubhouse and all the stuff that had on. You know, I, I think you no know, Ortiz said it even in the booth. Like, there's a the deal. Price needs to apologize. He needs to realize he's wrong. He needs to become a better man. And it's not going to happen by any means in the stretch of our imagination. Is David Price going to apologize? Um, he came out and spoke shockingly. I didn't even think he would speak. Um, he came out and saying, um, you know. I don't know if I did anything wrong. I, I, I don't know. He needs to show himself in the clubhouse more. Eck doesn't need to be in the clubhouse. That's not his job. His job isn't to be your best friend. His job is to criticize and analyze the game like he's supposed to. Yeah, he's on the payroll. Big deal. Yeah, do You do. He criticized you because you can't pitch. And he was. And Price hasn't even been pitching that badly. Look, Price is a baby. At this point, your best-case scenario is he pitches well, and you can let him walk next year when he opts out after you win a championship, hopefully with him on the roster. Uh, that being said in my mind no coincidence whatsoever that he gets put on the DL hours before he's supposed to start at Fenway Park literally hours
1: no i don't he's not hurt and the thing is you know we've heard him you know blisters cracked fingernails we know the elbow issue at the beginning of the season there's no way all of a sudden is he's like oh my elbow hurts again um i don't believe it for a second i think it's just a cop out i think it's an easy way out for for price not to face the fans these 10 days at their home and, you know, I I don't care what Eckersley says. Like, you have – if you're getting criticized by a Hall of Fame player that's so been around the game for, for years and years – Listen to him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You should probably listen to him. And the thing is, like, you know, they're reading more of reports that he wasn't mad about uh, him saying, yuck, He's mad that he was being criticized for how slow he is. And, he's you know, he really is. And I was listening to Falleer and Maz last week. I don't know if you guys heard it, but – You know, Jim Murray was going through like, oh, like I wonder what goes through Price's mind when he's on the mound, and he says, you know, it's like he's like, I hate it here, I hate it here, spits, yawns, I hate it here, no, no, I'm not taking that pitch, no, I'm not taking that, no, I don't want that, hate it here, hate it here. Oh, counts 0 and 1, or 1 and 0. So, and it's just like, well, don't let him, don't let him hear that, don't let him even realize that the media is talking about him, and the story is just exhausting at this point. Like, it's just, it's, it's stupid. He just, like I said, he needs to man up. He just needs to apologize. All he has to do, go on Twitter, tag accuracy and say, hey, I'm sorry. Twitter would go insane. There'd be so much, like, use your Twitter for something good and do that. I'm so sick of talking about this guy. He's becoming a cancer club, a clubhouse cancer, and he's just, like, I don't know. He just frustrates me so much. The thing that pisses me off the do to apologize don't don't go against david ortiz listen to him if you're not gonna listen accurately listen to ortiz
2: the thing that pisses me off the most about this too is the fact that you know you you can come in and, and pitch he was pitching well you know people are saying oh well um there's no way he's faking it because they had the mri blah blah blah. well he's hurt there's no question he's hurt at least a little bit because his elbow's been tweaked all year like if he you know he, there was a chance he was going to go under the knife and not have a season so There's going to be something that shows on an MRI to give him an excuse to get put on the DL. Like, you know, I don't believe it's bad enough that he needs to be on the DL. He could have pitched. He's been pitching through. He's been pitching great. Like, the pitching hasn't been the problem. It's just been his attitude and the the crap he says about Eckersley and all this stuff and what he's been doing in the locker room. If he was really hurt, he'd be under the knife right now. If he was bad enough to hurt to be put on the DL because he's been pitching hurt all year and the MRI is going to show something because he's been hurt. And this, it shouldn't just be, oh, let's give him a blah, blah, blah. Like, no. If he's okay, then keep him on the DL. I guess maybe their are excuses to, like, give him a couple of days to rest it off. I know. But, like, at the same time, he hasn't looked like any, any signs of fatigue because of it. No. Yeah.
1: Then, it, I was going to say, the only thing that's really hurting is uh, his feelings. He's not. There's, yeah. dumb. I'm done dumb, yeah. with this guy.
0: Yeah. I mean, of course, it's, it's so, like, it's so predictable. Like, oh, oh you're pitching. You're going to get booed. Because everyone's not, no one's on your side, and then, oh, oh, I'm on the DL, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's an easy one. You missed two months with the elbow injury, and then you're like, oh, man, it's hurt a little bit this morning. John,
2: feel my elbow. Does it feel tender right there? I don't think I can pitch today, sorry.
0: What do you think? I'll, you go go, 10 a, I'll, go, DL. I'll pet
2: my. I'll pet my dog with my other arm. I love him so much, but I, I can't I can't do it. I think I'm gonna get booed today. I can't do it. I feel it, <laughs> hey
0: Johnny, Dad, da- John. Yeah, uh,
2: John. can you kiss it better? No. Okay, then I guess I gotta go on the DL. It's it's
1: Pathetic. funny. I say I'll say it. I say, say it again for like the third week in a row. If we signed Johnny Cueto, we wouldn't be dealing with this. If we signed this guy, if we paid this guy behind me, we wouldn't be dealing with this. It's just it's <laughs> such a fiasco. Where convenient. It's just like I like that. I, That's convenient. Thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. I love him, but it's just like. You just I mean, I point to Lester all the time is so the way he handles, you know, the media and the fans, and it's just why can't Price do it? I, I don't get it. He's pitched in the AL, he's pitched in big league markets, big league games, like, come on, guy. Like, I just, I'm so, I've never thought I could, like, hate somebody so much who's been pitching well, where I'm just like, I don't want him, I still want him to pitch well. I don't want him to get lit up because it's just going to cause more controversy. I, I just want him to shut up and pitch. That's all I want him
2: to do. The funny thing is we all sat here and, you know, keep saying, and everyone says this, it's, oh, pitch better, and you forget about it. Pitch better, and, you know, everyone will be forgetting. He's been pitching great. Like, he hasn't been pitching terribly. Like, he hasn't been getting it up. Much. Like, And now it's like you got to pitch even better or this is going to keep coming up. And it's like, no, it's going to keep coming up because he's a joke and he's pathetic. And, look, you know, I try. you try to defend David Price because of what he can do for your rotation. And, look, if they want to do anything in October, they need him. They need him. Hands down, they need him. Because the way he's pitching. Obviously, if he shows up in October, that'd be nice. But, uh, you know, they need him to be David Price, regular season David Price in the playoffs if they want to do anything. It's just the way it is now. But, you know, he is a cancer, I believe, to this clubhouse. I agree with you, Lauren. It's just, it's something where they need to figure out a fix. Um, I can't imagine he would clear waivers. I know his contract's big, but it's not that big. So you're stuck with him. Uh, it's just a matter of now you got to figure out, okay, how do we calm him down? And it's a matter of David Ortiz is right. He's got to apologize. And now it's leaking up stories. Oh, well, David Price is struggling uh, because he's slow. No, he's, he's struggling because in, in Boston, and it's a terrible fit for him because he's black. Like, really? Really? That was what? Dan Levitard? Uh, Dan Levitard, right? Is that, that who that was? Yeah. yeah. Guy's pathetic. Every ra- every racist story about this city, he's been at the forefront saying, oh, yeah, they're a the racist city, blah, blah, blah. Dan Levitard, come to Boston. Figure it out yourself. Um, that being said, I can't believe this is causing that story to pop back up again either.
0: Seriously, that's pathetic. I mean, it has nothing to do with race. It's just about the, the incident that happened, and it's just Price being stubborn and not wanting to apologize because, you know, like he says, like, oh, I'm gonna next time I see him, I'm going to apologize. I mean, it happened a month ago. How, how long do you need to apologize? And it's just because people are talking about it, and, you know, Pedro is putting the heat on him by saying, like, oh, next time they, they meet, he's going to apologize to him. They're going to talk face to face. It's like, he has to be like babied into the conversation. Like, okay, David, now this is Mr. Accuracy. You know, you need to apologize. It shouldn't take that. Just do it privately. Do what he was complaining. He's not in the clubhouse shoot just do it on the plane after it happened the guy was on the plane say oh hey I'm sorry that happened yesterday I shouldn't have done that oh I haven't seen the guy in a month he never comes in the clubhouse and according to a lot of people he has been a fixture in the clubhouse for several years I'm not sure if he is this year because he probably just doesn't want to be around it anymore but he has been in the past and I, I think it's just all excuses for price at this point just like oh, yeah. oh he's not around i can't talk to him like it's just like grow up and do it and stop making excuses and stop trying to pin it on him because you're the problem you're the one who's been doing all this stuff and he's trying to pin it on other people and he's still not taking responsibility for it like great i'm glad you talked to the media but take responsibility for something please
1: please should, should text text te- text text i'm sure you have his number text him. say sorry anything like, we will literally take anything
0: at this point. Just to putting get the it, story
2: off, putting off. it off, putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And David, Pro- and, 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 and Eck has been, you know, he's been in the clubhouse. I, I know, I don't know the details 100% of it, but wasn't there a Jackie Bradley incident too or something where like Jackie Bradley, there was something about Jackie Bradley that Eck said something about him and Jackie Bradley said something. He's like, well, I don't need this. And then Eck hasn't been back in the clubhouse since or something like that. But it, it's something where, the players need to treat that people like the players want you to be friends and buddy buddy but it's like why does he have to go do that if you're gonna crap on him if you're gonna say all this stuff you're gonna have your teammates around clapping you know there needs to be a leader and look Pedroia was kind of forced into it I don't know if he was the one that you know everyone was like Pedroia you gotta say something Pedroia you gotta say something because he did finally say something Pedroia did and then again it's like oh yeah we're here as a team you know deal with it blah 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 but like I don't believe Justin Pedroia is the leader of this team even though he came out and said something he's not it's it's there's no leader on this team right now it would be Chris Sale but I you he hasn't really said anything like there's no really guy on this team that keeps someone from doing something that was Ortiz and that's that's the why you miss Ortiz the most because I'll say it just none of this would have happened if Ortiz was still on this team no absolutely
1: not and that's something you know I talk about like all the time like my brother and I go back and forth every day like what this happened if Ortiz was here would, th- would that have happened like absolutely not Ortiz would squash that he would come out and be like no like it's all good here guys like we're fine and there would have been an apology or there would have been no altercation on the plane period and it, it's disappointing in Pedoria that you know he should be the leader of this team and he's not and it's just you know somebody's been on the team for so long it's just you know he has the power, like, people would listen to Pejoria. He needs to step up, and I, I know what he said to the, to the media the other day. I loved it. I loved it. Like,
2: but it took him know. how long to do it?
1: Exactly, that's the thing. Like, I like the intensity in it, but they're just, but it's just happening now. So it's just like, why was none of this said a month ago when when this happened? Like, Pejoria didn't stop what happened. Nobody stopped what happened, which is really disappointing, but it's just like, I can't exhaust this story anymore, because there's going to be different theories coming out all the time now.
0: I think Pedroia is a leader. I think he's just like a quiet leader. I mean, he obviously does it by example on the field. He's not—he's not a vocal leader. I don't think he wants to really be a vocal leader. And Never it's just has. Kind of like, yeah, he—you know—he just says what he needs to say to the media, and he just moves on. He's—that's just not his personality. And you know, he's not Ortiz. He's not going to be Ortiz. And it's just like he needs somebody else to help him lead because that's just not his personality. I think him with somebody else would be a good leader, and I think he is good at that. But it's just – and that's the problem. There is nobody like that because Sale doesn't talk. Price thinks he's a leader, and he's certainly not. And then there's just really nobody else who is. So it's like he's kind of stranded on an island with nobody. And when something like this happens, it's just kind of, it just kind of blows up, and and you don't have anybody there to stop it. And I don't know if Price thinks this is his way of being a leader by being an a-hole. I don't know. I mean, Ortiz didn't like Price before he came to Boston. They didn't get a lot. They had that whole – Who knows if even liked Europe? him
2: last year? Maybe he just dealt with him.
0: That's the thing. Like, you, like, oh yeah, we're fine. We're teammates. Like, okay, you're teammates, and that's about it. Because the year before, you were calling the guy a bitch, and you know, it's <laughs> and like, see, and seeing the <laughs> way Price is acting,
2: know. seeing the way Price is acting now, there's no way David Ortiz likes him. There's no don't, way no. in my mind that David Ortiz actually likes that guy.
0: Between what happened before he came here and now, this is happening afterwards, yeah, I would say he just put up with him with anything. I don't think I don't think he likes the guy one bit. Okay, so
1: if Ortiz, if Ortiz but let me say one more thing. If Ortiz really did like Price, he would have called him out and been like, he needs to apologize. He would have been like, nah, that's okay. That's just Price. Like, he would have made some excuse for him. Yeah,
2: he's not on but the broadcast. Like
1: <laughs> He's like, ah, screw it. I don't care. Like, apologize. I hate this guy.
2: Sure. Okay, so we could obviously exhaust this for hours, because we all genuinely probably hate David Price at this point, but before we move on to MLB stuff, because a lot happened today, um, overall, how does this affect the team? Because, you know, they're not playing great. They played really well tonight. We'll talk about, again, tonight's game next week, but does this affect the team positively? Like, do they come together and block it all out and, and do well and play well and win the division, or do they crumble because of something like this?
1: Oh, I mean, it could really, it could really go either way. I think the next, especially this week coming, is going to show a lot. And I think they, they, what they need to do is put it behind them. And I think a lot of that depends on on David Price. Depends how he acts the rest of the way and if he apologizes or if he goes out there and pitches pitches well
0: if he actually
1: pitches Seriously. Yeah, yeah, pitches. a lot is riding on david price and i hate saying that but if he's going to keep acting the way that he has it's not going to look good for this team they're going to they're going to absolutely just crumble and fall apart it's going to be a, you know one of the worst classes we've seen and i've mentally prepared myself for this but if they can if david price can grow up or the team can just kind of get past it it's going to be fine but it, so i think this week and next week Especially when he comes back off the DL, too, it's, it's, there's a lot riding on David Price that, that that really worries me.
0: Yeah, I don't have a lot of confidence in pitching if he's if I mean if it actually is an elbow thing if his elbow is inflamed again and stuff. I mean, I don't really have a whole lot of confidence it's going to get better. So I don't even know if he should pitch, and who knows? Maybe we're better off if he doesn't pitch, especially if his pitches like he did tonight. But I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to figure because you know you have if you listen to the players hard to know how much stock to put into that but they're like yeah we're fine we don't we don't pay attention to that stuff we're like united as a team and stuff do you believe that i don't know it sure doesn't look like they are but oh but see i do
2: believe that though because if you hear if i believe all the reports that people were clapping like they're united maybe in a bad way but I think I think they are united. I think they believe in each other. I think they really do get along. Uh, maybe they're not playing for their manager. Maybe I don't know what it is. But you know they are united because of this. I, I think they win in spite of it. I do. I think they come back. I think you know they added what they needed in Addison Reed. You know you have people hitting to kind of get these people out of the funk. I think they do win in spite of this. Now I don't, I don't think they're going to win the World Series um, because of the Dodgers. But that being said look, they're, they're going to come back from this because I don't care what's going outside of it. They clearly all believe in what David Price did. They clearly all support it for the most part. And the core guys in there are clapping, getting along, not caring. And they're going to keep playing the way they are um, in terms of becoming more successful and gradually believe in themselves.
0: Yeah. I mean, if they want to block it out and, and uh, win games, fine, whatever. They should take more responsibility for their action and treat people better. But if they want to if they want to not care what people are saying and go out and there win games, that's what people are looking for. So I'd be fine with that if that happens. I think they need to, you know, keep pitching well, and the offense certainly needs to get better. And you know, maybe score runs ever for Porcello, stuff like that. But it's you know, it's if if if, the, if they're not if they're not going to let this bother them, then fine. It I'm must all all for that.
2: It must just kill ownership that they don't have a likable team right now, and I love it. I don't even care. Like, you you know that they can't, they can't market this team right now. No, no one, no, no, no one wants to, I mean, they want to watch baseball if you're a baseball fan, but no one likes this team. Um, it's a rare case where you have a team in Boston that someone you actually don't like in the city and the team can't market them because who are you going to market? Everyone else has been involved in this. So um, look, a lot Especially of tap- a team that
0: could and should be and maybe is good that this good, you know? Yeah,
2: exactly. Like you show the market, this team, no problem. Chris sales dominant, and that's all you can market every, every other, every five days sale day. That's all they got. It's yeah. all they can do. It's all they have. Yeah. Um, which I, don't, I love sale day. Don't get me wrong. Um, okay, so before we get to our predictions and get out of here, obviously a little longer tonight just because a lot's happened. And, again, David Price just keeps, for some reason, popping himself up in the news. But um, a lot has happened around the trade deadline, a lot of people moving parts. The biggest things were, uh, after all the moves the Yankees have made, they did end up getting Sunny Gray today, and the Dodgers traded for Darvish. Um God, the Dodgers just got so much better, um, and we'll get to the Yankees in a second. But overall, guys, the Dodgers are already a dominant team, and um, I think this helps, obviously insurance for Kershaw. But when Kershaw comes back, that's a lethal combination.
1: Yeah, it's scary. They were I mean, they were already really good, and this does does add a lot for them. And you know, I think well, they're last thing to do it. They're last to make a move. So um, definitely, definitely scary to be in the National League, but. I mean, I love I love Dave Roberts. How can you not How can you not love Dave Roberts when you're from Boston? But I mean, this is part of the reason why we love why we love Deadline Day. We watch the teams get better and just kind of watch them. Like now, it's, now I'm interested like what the Dodgers are going to do for the rest of the season. Obviously, they're going to be good. And like I said, once Kershaw comes back, I'm just like, oh boy, here we go.
0: How good of a move is it though? I mean, obviously Darvish has been good in his career, but he hasn't had a good season at all. He's six and nine with a four ERA. Is it going to help him? Is he going to get better this season? I mean, I'm not sold from what he's pitched so far this season. Maybe we'll make him worse.
1: I think so. I think I don't know, I have a feeling that like him going to the to the National League is going to do wonders for him. I don't I don't really know why, but
0: I know it, he hasn't had a good season. But does tend to do that.
2: I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's in a good division. <laughs> don't get me wrong; he's in a pretty talented division. But at the same time, um, I agree in the sense of also the fact <laughs> is, you know, bless you. Uh, um, <laughs> the fact is, you know, he's going to a winning situation. Texas isn't that great right now, um, and as good as you might be, it's it's hard to come out and pitch your best every every game. When one, he has injury history; he's coming back from that, obviously. But um, and two, you know, maybe it's not. It's hard to be motivated in that Texas heat to come out and pitch for a losing team. Uh, you, you move a guy to LA, winning team, best team in baseball, chance to win a World Series, motivates a guy.
0: Yeah, it's it's probably the best situation for him after having after having a bad season so far at this point. So. Yeah, I mean it's probably it's probably better for him than it is for the Dodgers, to be honest. <laughs> that's true. I can't I can't
2: wait for the Dodgers to win something, and then Magic Johnson takes credit for everything that's happening.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep.
2: Oh yeah, look at my Dodgers! You run the Lakers. Calm down. Um, okay, and then I think the one that's big enough around here, because it's obviously related to the Red Sox, is the Yankees. Man, has cash been good cashing his chips. Um, biggest thing today, you know, came in, they got Sonny Gray and it's about time Sonny Gray gets traded. Can I tell you? It's been in Oakland long enough. Um, now Yankees fans are hyping him up to be the next big thing. Um, hasn't been great this year. I'm a big Sonny Gray supporter. I think it's a good move for the Yankees. I think he's going to do well. Um, but that being said, you know, it wasn't a, uh, I mean, it's a predictable move. It's what they needed. Um, but it's not going to say he's like the greatest thing since sliced bread. I still take Chris sale over him 10 times out of 10. Uh, but that being said, makes the Yankees a lot better. On paper, right now they might be the best team in the division.
1: Yeah, it definitely makes them you know, makes them better. Yeah. And um we've I think I feel like the last two years you've talked about around this deadline day about Sonny Gray getting traded. Where is he gonna go? And he always stays in Oakland. So to actually see him on the move was, was nice. A nice change of scenery for that for this year. But I think it was Karek Kravas had a really funny tweet about Yankees, and they're like, "Oh, it's really cute how the Yankees fans get all excited about Sonny Gray. Like, it's just Sonny Gray." But he was, you know, obviously bigger, better last year than the year before. But you know, same thing. Like, he's you know, changed the scenery, chance to win the World Series. It's gonna be. I think he's gonna do really well, and I think it's gonna hurt seeing him there just because we're gonna obviously run into the Yankees a lot. Just not even this year, but you know, obviously every year. So it's it definitely like just sucks seeing a good pitcher go there. But even though we didn't need him, it's just kind of like, like we could have used him. But oh well, I mean, he's on he's on the move.
0: He's finally on the move. he
1: finally he got out of the
2: dump that is Oakland.
0: Yep, he did. Yeah, yeah. I hate th- I hate that they got him because he's pitched better recently and he is a pretty <laughs> good pitcher. And like you said, Cashram's made a lot of good moves and they got a lot better. And they're already in first by half game. So. I'm concerned. Uh, hopefully, Gray turns it around and pitches worse because he's pitched better recently. We can hope, but yeah, I don't. I don't like that they got him. That's kind of annoying. I was just. I can say I was definitely disappointed when I saw that today.
2: Yeah, and and obviously the reports are coming up. It was more and more likely And you look at it and go, okay, Red Sox. You have to hope that your bat turn around. Obviously, it starts with Nunez and um Devers and, and pans out to the rest of the guys and hope addison reads enough to share the bullpen up um and get some run support for the rotation because the rotation hasn't been a problem for the most part it's just been the run support that the rotation you know needed and they haven't gotten it so um the offense is where it starts for the red Sox and and hopefully you know uh the bullpen the back of that bullpen can be reassured bring in Reed. um so that being said you know this week i I say it every week i'm on but like you know it's an important week because it's getting to the point where it's now august 1st as we're finishing this show we transition mid-show it's great We'll record this late, but um, it's August. Two months left in the baseball season, which is crazy. Lauren's probably starting to cry a little bit inside. Um, But that being said, you know, these games are important this week. You have three against Cleveland at home, four against the White Sox at home. Um, I promise you, we we made these predictions before this game happened tonight. Uh, But that being said, um, just, you know... This, game, this series is important against Cleveland because they, they are in first place, and you have four against the White Sox coming up, winnable games, of course, because they're, they're trading away their the entire team. Um, so, Jess, what, what do you take out of this Cleveland series coming up this week?
0: Yeah, I have a losing two out of three, and obviously it doesn't look as good after winning tonight because I expected that win to be the Chris Sale game, not the Doug Fister game. So, But to stick to my prediction, uh, I mean, the Indians obviously came in really hot and won a lot of games. They won a lot of games in a row, just like the Royals. So, I'm gonna go losing two out of three because they're a good team, and I think the Sox will figure it out at some point, but maybe not quite yet.
1: Yeah, I'm going a little a bit, little bit different than you. I'm gonna say that the Red Sox are gonna win two out of three from from Cleveland. You know, I think they have the the kind of playoff redemption in their in their heads from last year after they got swept, and um, obviously, I do think they're gonna win their their game of sale. So. Anytime there's a series of sale, I, I always Gotta take at least one win, but I really didn't expect the Doug Fister Game to be the win, just like you, but um, I do think two out of three I just I think this is gonna be a Good turning point for them, and like you said Derek, this is an important week, and I think every Week we're gonna start saying that now, it's is an important week They have a chance to get back To first place, tie for first place, just Get out of second place and get Back into, you know, where you belong And it's a great spot to do, especially against the Indians Who have been really good
2: Yeah, and and look, they were in in a driver's seat in the division, and they they screwed it. You know, they they had a good triangle hole in this division. They could have just kept it, but they they got in their own way. And um, I think they do win two out of three in this series. Um, I think the biggest thing for me, and I harp on it, is the deadline. I think, you know, they they, they have some urgency now seeing what the Yankees have done. They got better. It makes them want to play better because they see that Dombrowski said, nope, you're the guys on offense. You're figuring it out. We brought in Nunez. That's it. And don't rely on the 20-year-old because you never know. You guys have to figure it out. And I think it's a big jolt for them to see the Yankees get that much better. Um, See Dombrowski says, okay, that's it. Go get them. Addison Reed's going to help. I think you're going to win some games because of that addition. So um, I think this is a turning point for them potentially, one, because the Yankees got better, and two, because you added some people who are being productive so far. Um, Two out of three for me from the Indians. Uh, And then you have four against the White Sox at home. Um, Lauren What's going on with the, the White Sox here? The other Sox, as they like to call it, on Sox. Nesson.
1: I think they're, they're going to split with Chicago. I, mean, I hate four-game series. I think that they're hard oh, to they're sweep. Oh, they're the worst.
2: They're the worst. They're,
1: they're hard to sweep and they're hard to win three out of four. So I'm going to go for the easy answer and say split. I'll be there on Saturday. Surprise, surprise. And I think that's going to be one of their wins. I think it's going to be like a, uh, like a not back-to-back win. It's going to be like lose-win, lose-win. But I think... I think a split would be good, and I will take uh, that kind of week over the the week they had last week.
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm going three out of four, winning three out of four. If you don't win three out of four against the White Sox, I'm very concerned.
2: because same.
0: I mean, Jesus, when did they get so bad? I guess when they lost Chris Sale. They trained everybody, too. So, (laughs) Right. They're 41 and 62, so, wow, I guess Chris Sale really made a huge difference on that team. Well, they also just <laughs> yeah, traded
2: Quintana, too. They gave him to the Cubs. They, they literally said, here, stay right. in Chicago. Go play for a better team. We'll take whatever we can get.
0: Seriously. They're tank Tank city right now, and they're 20-35 and in the road. So if you don't take three out of four in this series, then I'm not sure if you are a first-place team. So I'm really hoping
2: for
0: <laughs> four uh, and three week.
2: Honestly, the reasons Jess just stated, I almost wanted to pick a sweep. But I couldn't because it's a four-game series. If it was a three-game series, I probably would have said sweep. But, um, look, I, I have the same thing. Winning three out of four against the White Sox. I think, you know, um, with a deadline wrapped around this week, I think this is a good week to propel. You, you have a good series against a team who's legitimate. Cleveland, you obviously get your little bit of playoff revenge there as well. And then coming to the series against the White Sox where you might even be able to sweep them. Who knows? Because, uh, one, you get a Chris win right away on Sunday. Uh, but that being said... It's his
0: oh. Against his former team. Against his
2: former team yeah it's a wonderful thing whenever that happens but look white sox aren't good Red sox are good It's pretty simple like that if you don't win three out of four I I give room for a mistake here and there in, in a crap game because especially because of the way they have been playing um they're going three and four against the white sox they're gonna go five and two this week I'm being optimistic like I said because I think they I think the deadline's a little motivation for them I think some of these people, some of these players may maybe weren't sure if they're gonna be traded there were talks about you know maybe trading a core to get a bat member you know with, whether it be Xander or whoever. Um, there, there were talks about trading some people because the farm system was depleted. So, you know, seeing this is the team, seeing they, that clearly the team believes in them enough to go get just bullpen help and not a real power bat, you know, they got Nunez, that's it. Um, but overall, I think five and two weeks is going to be where they land.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I, I don't know how you're positive after the horrendous week. Me neither, to Chad, be 100% honest. I really don't know. I know. <laughs> Playing the White Sox helps, though. That's it does for sure. having
2: four having four of those games against the White Sox does make me feel a little better about making them five and two, but at, at home too. Yeah, seriously. Uh, but there you go. Predictions four and three for both of them, five and two for me, which never happens. But there you go. I'm uh, being optimistic this week. Why not? Uh, we got Addison Reed, read, so why not be positive? And David price is not pitching. So that's nice too. Um, all right, we'll wrap it up for this week. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at red Sox underscore beat. Facebook is red Sox beat podcast. If you're just a fan of our show and don't know about the network, check out that mobile podcast app as well. Uh, you can hear all the network shows at CLNS media on Twitter, same thing on Facebook. Um, and the YouTube channel will have all these video shows. So subscribe to that as well as other content on the network as well. So don't forget about that. um, but yeah, so we'll get, we'll get back to you next week. Hopefully, with a five and two week, that'd be nice. Uh, for Jess Thomas and Lauren Campbell, I am Jared Scali here for CLNS Media. We'll talk to you next week. Until then, enjoy the week of baseball.